Good morning. What have you won at since we last saw one another? What kind of victories have you won? It's highly likely, if you're anything like everyone else, that you have some kind of standard for what you call a victory. Where is that standard? What kind of success are you willing to call a victory? And what's beneath that threshold? What doesn't count in your eyes? I wonder. What's good enough for you? Did you brush your teeth? We wouldn't normally pause to call that a success, but I like my teeth. I like food. I suspect you do too. So brushing the teeth whether we would tend to admit it or not, is a success. And there's benefit in acknowledging that. I hear there's a book called The Winner Effect, which features some research and probably goes into far greater detail than I will here. The title of the book really says it all. There are many books that I see these days that I decide I won't read. Because the title, as a one-liner, holds the wisdom if we know how to practice. The winner effect means there is an effect to winning. Your day goes much, much differently when you're in the attitude of success. This is what the Buddha called right attitude. The attitude of a winner. The attitude of a lion. Confident. Strong. Successful. Dick in every lioness in sight. <laughs> good coffee. Coconut oil in coffee. Highly recommend it. 
So I wonder if you might run an experiment. Take a day, just one. Actually, no, scrap that. Take a moment. Just one. And see what kind of victory you can find in that moment. A victory for me right now is that I'm making use of my time by sharing with you. Simple setup. One camera, one mic. Nothing fancy. Just me and my coffee after rolling out of bed. Still, there's value. This is the beauty of the Buddha's practice. When we change our mental construct, if you like, at the deepest, deepest level, there's value everywhere. I wake up in the morning and the first thing I'm thinking about is winning. <laughs> oh boy. It wasn't always like this. It's somewhat difficult to remember, honestly. But I know I used to be hindered. Mentally. I know I used to worry. I know I used to doubt. I know I used to be anxious. I know I used to not think very much of myself. <laughs> and now I could say the same words, but with a completely different meaning. <laughs> now I don't think very much of myself. The difference being the one of quality and quantity. I used to not think very highly of myself. Now I don't think very much, very often of myself. I think of what's going on right now, only it's not like thinking. It's not thinking about things. It's being with things. Being with things intimately. And when we're with things in that way, with a mind free from hindrance, 
free from worry, free from doubt, free from fear. We find that appreciation is naturally arising. So, this isn't about training ourselves into high self-esteem. We're after no self-esteem. No self-esteem. We don't need it. We don't need self-esteem. All we need is appreciation, naturally arising appreciation of the grandeur of this moment exactly as it is. And if that sounds to you like something passive, well, let me tell you, I'm more productive than ever. With not a productivity app in sight. No to-do lists. No reminders. Just me and my core values. Me and what's left. When all the layers of the onion are peeled away. All the layers of conditioning. Gone. And with them, the need for coping, the need for distraction, I used to need video games, I used to need beer. Or delicious foods. I used to need spiritual teachings. I used to need self-help books. I used to need a training of various kinds. And that was time consuming and expensive and distracting and unbalancing if I need video games then I go play them and the reward circuitry in my brain goes beep 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 for hours at a time How then do my other tasks look? And whether or not you believe in the fad of dopamine fasting, I must ask my resident neuropsychologist about that. But it's not super important what the truth of it is. What we can say is that there's a contrast 
between playing video games. Software which are engineered to make that reward circuitry light up. And your daily mundane tasks. Certainly, if you're working for someone else, there's almost certain to be some unpleasant tasks that have been delegated to you. And so many of us are caught in that trap of being dissatisfied with work and then taking the money to attempt to recover some satisfaction from life. We get our satisfaction And then we go back to work because we need the money to feed our habit, whatever it might be. Could be video games, could be holidays, could be home improvements, could be booze, could be other drugs. Yeah, booze is a drug. Could be tech, could be clothes, style, could be knowledge, could be training. You might be on that hamster wheel of self-help and personal development. Goodness knows there's money to be spent in that area. I did it. Bought countless books. Tried various programs and in the end, dropped 15 grand on a very, very good one. I want to be careful to um, not make it sound as though this was somehow a waste of money. Spending money on personal development is a wonderful thing to spend your money on. Just like going on holiday, traveling. Can be very wholesome, especially if you're traveling to experience culture. As opposed to sitting on your ass in a resort the whole time. Although if <laughs> what you need is to relax, then great, by all means. One of my favorite one-liners from my teacher, Damarato, is that everything is a mixed bag. Everything is a mixed bag. So that there were times when I was partying Booze, weed, and the rest. Staying up all night, 
sometimes two days in a row. And there were aspects of that that were very wholesome. The social element of all of that was wonderful. I remember realizing and sharing with some of those friends that I would party with after our partying days were pretty much done. I shared with them, we don't spend those units of time together that we would when we were partying. We might get together at four in the afternoon, get started with some drinks, stay up for two nights. We might be together for close to 72 hours. And my suspicion is that if we were to do that with one another, without the substances, then some very deep social bonding would occur. And I think it's a terrible shame that we often attribute that social bonding to the substances. Yes, certain of them can make one more open, make one more empathic temporarily. There is, of course, a crash the other side. But other drugs turn one into a dickhead. And we managed to get along just fine for the most part. One of the most valuable lessons that I took from partying. And yes, there were lessons in partying, believe it or not. Came after my third experience with MDMA. And for those of you who aren't familiar, MDMA is the active ingredient in most ecstasy pills. MDMA is the ecstasy in ecstasy pills. There might be other active ingredients in pills. Um, another amphetamine, also called speed, is often found alongside MDMA in ecstasy pills. But MDMA is the ecstasy in ecstasy pills. The amphetamine that makes you feel ecstatic temporarily. And there is a crash on the other side. Anyway. During my third experience with MDMA, which was at a nightclub in Bristol, we had done all the uh, usual preparations, hung out back home beforehand, a dear, dear friend of mine 
prepared the substances for each of us. Shed them out, very <laughs> ritual, about as close as our generation gets to any kind of ritual. I remember we were on the train, very, very excited. Remember, this is only my third experience with the drug, and there had been a significant gap between my second experience and my third. So there we are on the train, super excited. Can't wait for the club to open. We would have some drinks and of course there's the nervousness that comes with having drugs on one's person. We get into the club. We drop. And <laughs> it was my girlfriend at the time's first experience with the substance. And I could not stop asking her if she was okay. She was a fragile flower. She actually became very quiet on the drug, which was unusual. Most people become very extrovert, uh, but this girl is a born introvert. And she, she went into herself and this actually turned out to be a regular occurrence for her. Anyway, I'm there checking, checking on her. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? To the point that <laughs> she started to tell me to leave her alone. <laughs> anyway, I'm sat there thinking. And the question occurred to me. If it's possible to be this happy. With a substance in my system. I wonder if it's possible to be this happy without a substance in my system. This became a working hypothesis for the next 10 years. I would have been around 22 at that time. And it was at the age of around 32 that I had learned the Dharma and practiced the Buddha's teaching to the degree that during a couple of later experiences with that same substance, there was very little change. Very little change. And it was clear to see that I was already as open as that drug would make one. I was already as happy as that drug would make one. Now that was indeed a success. But it was made up of thousands and thousands and thousands of smaller ones. 
is something that I had to learn to do very well along the way was to acknowledge small successes. One moment of mindfulness. One moment of presence. Brushing my teeth. So, I believe that we can all be as happy as we are when we're on drugs. <laughs> Don't give that one to the papers. Or maybe do. <laughs> Fuck it, I'll take the publicity. I believe it's possible for all of us. I was just speaking with someone recently who had been on antidepressants for 14 years. We had a single conversation about the Dharma, about the teaching of the Buddha, about being present using the breath as an anchor, finding what was working for her in the moment, and expanding that outward toward the rest of her life, the rest of her circumstances. Following that conversation, I checked in with her probably two weeks later. She said, well, I had a wobble. There was some... Uh, unfavorable circumstances but actually just now I realize I've forgotten to take my pills for four days in a row and I feel amazing she's exercising most nights of the week said she would never have had the energy or the motivation to do that before This stuff works. And that's why I'm speaking to you now. You can be as happy as you would be on substantial doses of drugs. I suspect you would like that. So let's talk. <laughs>